Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome to B2B Made Simple, uh, B2B marketing uh, podcast for marketers in the SaaS world. And with me today, I have Andrew Horner. He's the EVP of global marketing at symphony.com. Um, Andrew, good to have you here, man. Hello, nice to see you. How are things? Yeah, things are go- going very well here. Um, I like to kick off the, the podcast with kind of like a fun question. Um, so my question for you is if you had to choose between Coke and Pepsi from here on out, which would you choose? And I guess even, are you a soda guy at all? I mean, they say they're no stupid questions, but being a Coke guy, I can't believe you even raised the Pepsi option. (laughs) I will say, so family members are Dr. Pepper folks, but I will say I do like Mexican Coke. And there's, as you know, a couple factories in Mexico City, and one of them still does the sugar in the Coke, in the bottle, not corn syrup. That's my go-to. So Mexican Coke is the thing for me. That is really good. They brought it back. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's like the made with real sugar. Not that it's probably any better, but there is a flavor difference I've noticed and it is very good. So I'm glad to know that we have bite. a fellow Coke guy. It has, <laughs> has that bite to it. I apologize yeah, it sure to does. me, Pepsi. I don't want to tick off the Pepsi lovers. I just don't feel like that's a drink. I don't, sorry. Yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't mind. I'm a Coke guy as well. So they can be mad. They don't have to listen. <laughs> But I appreciate drink, drink you being water. here. Drink water. Yeah. Yeah. Drink, drink water. water. I mean, this is not a proponent. Uh, we're not telling you to go drink uh, soda all the time. So on occasion, right? <laughs> well, awesome. Um, Andrew, I appreciate you being here. Um, let's hop right into this. Uh, something that you're passionate about is eliminating distractions, getting things done and staying focused as a marketer. And we're going to walk through in, in this interview some ways that you've mastered that and become uh, good at it and what you've learned. Um, so one of the, what, how do we kick this off with this? Um, when it comes to staying mission driven, how does that relate to the military? Because you tie that together really well. Can you touch on that? Yeah. So, so first of all, I, I have not served. I have a lot of friends and family that have, I have great respect for those that are, are in service and serving and have served, but I've learned a lot of lessons from them. And mm-hmm. I actually worked for a couple different CEOs that were you know, commanders and had different approaches from the military. So I just kind of embedded that in what I do. So first of all, I work for mission-driven organizations, purpose-driven organizations, both professionally. I also do some, some mentoring and guidance to those as well, nonprofits, et cetera. What I'd say is when you have a shared sense of mission, it really, when you're in what we'll call the fog of war, it, it's your driving force. It's your North Star, right? So I think when people are aligned in a sense of mission, a lot of the details can get worked out. But if you're aligned there, you go back to that. So at a prior organization I worked at, we had some big challenges come up and we sat down with the executive team and we said, we got to solve these problems, I guess. And then the CEO stood up and said, what's our mission, folks? What's our mission? And all of a sudden, like the pieces just started falling into place. So I think that's really important. And then tucked into that, I think, again, not to overdo the military analogy, but there's a couple other, I think, tools that are helpful. One is called the commander's intent. So once you have the mission, then you have to have the mission objectives, and then you have to have what we call the commander's intent, which is 
what will we do to achieve the mission? What will we do to make the mission successful? What does success look like from a mission perspective? And that commander's intent, again, it removes a lot of the, the decision-making in the, in the thick of the moment um, <clears throat> during, during the battle. And it helps you orient and get, get traction quickly. So that's, that's mm -hmm. one thing I've implemented with my team. And it can be fluid, it can change, it can adapt during the mission. But if you have that intent, and, and that's important. And then the third thing is there's this uh, process that is called an OODA loop. Some people are familiar with this. Uh, observe, orient, decide, and act. And the faster you move through that cycle in a dynamic, agile environment, the more successful you'll be, the more competitive you'll be, the more you'll able, be able to get high quality stuff done fast, right? Mm -hmm. So observe, orient, decide, act. It's a cycle. It's not that you just move through those steps once, you actually spin through that cycle quickly. Um, and so I hope that's kind of self-evident, but those are just some of the tools that I've used that are incredibly helpful and people can take them and use them or a piece of them, but uh, they've been helpful to me and to my team. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's kind of, uh, pick that apart. So when you come into an organization, are you actually looking for an org, org that is mission driven already or kind of halfway there? Or do you come in with that vision simply for your marketing team? What does that look like for you when you were looking for a company to work for? Well, I'm not looking for a company right now because I'm very happy. At right. Symphony. But when you were, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a mix. It's a mix. Right. Yeah. So I've come into organizations where the mission is just absolutely in stone and set. And that's great. Mm -hmm. um, I've also come into organizations where we have to cultivate that and, and work on that and deliver what, what's the sense of purpose? What's the sense of mission? And we work on that. Um, so, but, but there's core kind of values and attributes that are tied to that. So everyone has to come to agreement on that. Um, but I do like working with organizations to build that sense of mission. Again, I do, mm -hmm. I do some mentoring, I do some coaching, I do some advising, you know, when I can help people. And I always start with that. I'm like, what's, what's the sense of purpose? What is your mission? And all of a sudden it gets people thinking just a little bit differently. It pulls them out of the tactics. It pulls them out of the day to day, but also it's not quite strategy either. Right. It's again, it's like that North star. What is that North star? What is that? What does success look like? Um, and the way I ask it, I, there's a couple of different tools and mechanisms I use. I say things like in 12 months, if we get you on the cover of Forbes, what is the headline, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Or if you're on, featured on CNBC in six months from now, what does that look like? What's that soundbite look like, right? And you start getting people to think about that. As you well know, a lot of uh, marketing teams uh, out of Silicon Valley, especially they'll write the press release for something even before they code the product because they're trying to think about what's the story, how we articulate this out in the marketplace. What does that vision look like? What is that mission? What's that success? So that forethought, that projecting out and then working back from that is, is a great process. It's actually uh, a very motivating and enlightening process. Mm -hmm. um, so some marketers might not be in a position to influence the C-suite what would you tell them um, as leaders in just their marketing team? So let's say they're not in the boardroom. They're not getting this time to give that vision to them. How do they lead the people below them with the, the commander's intent? I mean, you, you can certainly do that. Uh, you know, I've done that with my team directly and you can kind of take a, a micro version of that, right? It, mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be super rigid, but it does, you do have to have alignment around it. So what I would say is, 
Um, another rule I have is, you know, they, the classic adage is everyone's in sales, right? But also everyone's in marketing. And so it's not just your marketing team, right? If you do have a, a mission for the marketing team, I extend that across the org and try and educate and communicate across the org because I want the creativity flowing from all corners. And you're never sure where that's going to come from. Why not, you know, in some ways almost crowdsource some of the marketing across the org, subject matter experts, product experts, region experts, you know, account experts, they're going to bring you fresh perspectives, right? And that's a great, that's a great flow. So, you know, everyone's in marketing, but yeah, I, I think you can absolutely adapt it to the team. It doesn't have to be org wide, but you got to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a belief that um, sometimes you got to boil the ocean. No, you don't. You start with your own backyard and make sure that's, that's tidy. And then from there, you can radiate out from there. So the micro uh, commander's intent is just a smaller version, obviously, but that just looks like, Hey, get a couple people involved, kind of feel out and get the feedback of them. Right. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in feedback and, and, mm -hmm. um, uh, advice, advi kind of mini advisory groups. So that's Got internal, okay. external for immediate real time feedback. Right. I, I do like that, but yeah. So, so to be clear, I do have a commander's intent for the marketing team and I do have a mission mm -hmm. for the marketing team and it tucks mm -hmm. into the corporate mission. It. Okay. Um, it's not exactly the same, but it, it, it weaves nicely with that. Mm -hmm. So you say it's, it's not exactly the same. What do you mean by that? So I would say with something like a commander's intent from a corporate perspective, there are many objectives, you know, growth, profitability, potential exit, whatever those things are. I would say that the commander's intent from marketing is how are we actually going to deliver on marketing to hit the objective, help hit the objectives of the organization. Again, it's yeah. it's synthesized with it. It's not exactly the same. It's a component of it, but there's many more mm -hmm. pieces to the corporate mission or the commander's intent for a company, for example, right? That you might sense. want zero downtime for your product. You might want mm -hmm. to expand into every major financial hub. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other things you would need to think about, right? And some mm -hmm. of those relate to marketing and some don't. Yeah, so marketing has their own ultimate goal and that could be revenue. It could be, um, I mean, this is so shallow, but leads delivered to sales, whatever it, that's an example, but whatever it might be. And then that's what your North star that you're constantly pointing toward. And it should complement the organization's North star, which again, you might not align with everything because you're marketing. I mean, you're not going to necessarily impact culture and determine that. Um, but the marketing it's side, that's a what satellite you should be It's a satellite around the North Star. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> space. space seems to be in the news, right? So we can use the space uh, space theme. Absolutely. Um, so let's dive into the OODA loop. Um, I'm interested about that. So can you refresh us on what it's OODA, right? Yeah, OODA. Again, it's just one tool or mechanism. Mm -hmm. It works for some, it doesn't work for others, but it's been proven that when you're in a, a battle-like environment, which a lot of us feel we are in a corporate <laughs> competitive environment, right? It's a, a mechanism to move you to action in an intelligent, guided way, but quickly, like, right? So, um, uh, and just as a side note, like our CEO at Symphony, Brad Levy, likes to talk about leveraging people, giving them a platform, but with purpose, right? So it's kind of, it's kind of aligned to that purposeful comment, giving people what they need. Um, so I would say, observe, like, how, how do you gather intelligence, right? How do you observe? Mm -hmm. I think that's something people rush through that step, frankly. And sometimes if you just even pause for a moment, or you get different voices and perspectives um, quickly, 
it's invaluable, right? And um, it's, it's kind of like you want to rush to the next step. But again, just like, it's like in the movies, right? It's like in the movies where the hero is just about to rush forward and then someone yanks them back because there's a landmine right in front of them, right? It's that mm -hmm. moment of just that moment of crisp observation. You've got to have that, that bit of it, right? And then it's orient. You're orienting yourself. What's the context? What are the potential blockers? Um, how, how, do you, how do you position yourself within that context? Where are you within the motion? Where are you within activity, right? And then decide, and that's a critical thing. And I think we could have a whole hour long or multi-hour discussion on mental models, how we make decisions, how we decide. Um, and uh, I think that's something that organizations need to agree to and have a framework around to decide how you're gonna decide, right? And mm -hmm. so you do, but you need to decide. And indecision, as we all know, the classic adage is indecision is also a decision. If you choose not to decide, that's also a decision, but you do have to decide because that decision then trig triggers the action, the next step. And then you have to take action. If you decide, but you just lapse, linger, pause, mm -hmm. that's not right because you've already got the observation, you've already oriented, you've decided, now you have got to act, you've got to get in motion, inertia. Certainly you can adjust, change, pivot if you need to. And that's kind of the point of the OODA loop. But then again, you need to go back through that. You need to go mm -hmm. back through that process. Again, constantly adjusting, moving and then acting so mm -hmm. again i'm not an expert in it i've used it but i'm just trying to to communicate kind of what how i see it working yeah and you bring up a good point you could go and do a great job with ood but if you don't have action then you what what's the point right you you did all this work you feel like you're doing something good and then if you don't execute on it then you just miss the entire point right and you have to have what we what we call a bias to action, right? You, you've got to do that. We all have to deliver. I mean, I worked for a startup in Silicon Valley years ago, and I joined the company. And the CEO set came into the room on day one and said, "Oh yeah, we're already 300 qualified leads behind our board target. You've got three days to solve it." Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, I probably should have known that. You know, I should I sure heard that going <laughs> in, but that that that's the that's sometimes the mentality of like, you be, you better move, you better take action, mm -hmm. you, go, you better solve for that. You know? um, so when it comes to getting things done effectively, you have a list of four things that we should be doing. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll walk through them here and then we'll dive into each one. So read a lot more, have a tightly knit mentor circle, um, you know, people you can go to. And then three is schedule everything. And then four is have moments of quiet. Um, so read a lot more is, are that you just talking great. books? Where can, where, where can, that? That, that I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I heard this list. Uh, so we have read a lot more. Are you just saying consume books? Are you saying consume what your competitors are doing? What the B2C world is doing? If you're a B2B marketer and just co constantly consuming content, what are you talking about? I, I hate to say it's, it's all of the above, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's grabbing a book off the shelf or when we used to have commutes or I think we're going back to commute soon. You know, I do did a lot of audio, a lot of audio books mm -hmm. and things like that. Short form content's great to grab snippets. Um, just getting the pulse of, of the industry, getting the pulse of, uh, so, so I guess I've curated my news feeds that I can kind of get what I need at a snapshot within about 45 minutes. And that sounds like a long time, but in the day, 
Like if you talk, if you talk to very successful executive CEOs, I think there's no, there's no secret that they read quite a bit. Jeff Bezos spends time every day reading Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger spent time every day reading Bill Gates, same thing. Like these are just, it's just classic. You've got, but you've got to keep that feed going. And what I find really interesting is if you really do curate your intelligence every day, it's not just the specific bits of content. You also start to see patterns emerge sometimes and connections and synergies. And that's where things get really interesting when you see two completely different authors writing about completely different things, but yet there's some connection there. And I think it's, it's within those connections that we get our kind of our best moments. And then we can take that and it informs what we do as marketers. So. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, I, I, you know, I, I make a point to read, to listen to educational podcasts because there's a lot of fluff out there for sure. Um, and one of the things that I really keep an eye out for is what are B2C brands doing that are just extremely creative. And I, I kid you not, I, it blows my mind. I'm like, where do I get my hands on these marketers that are coming up with this stuff? It's just so genius yet so simple. And it just continues to spark my creativity and really get the wheels turning on, man, how can we implement this in the B2B world? Because we're so behind, it seems like. I know, I know, I hear you. And one of my, again, I, I feel like, uh, so I'm a dad and I tell dad jokes sometimes, but I won't, I'm not gonna do it today, but I always feel like I'm saying stuff that's stating the obvious. So I apologize for that. But you know, to, to, to that point, um, one of my adages is, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I hope to hire people that are smarter than me. But that said, if I can't figure something out, who has figured it out? Who's cracked the code and how can I go borrow that, right? They say that, you know, all artists steal, great artists steal shamelessly, right? And I'm not saying steal, we're borrowing, we're getting influenced by, and it's, it's the highest form of praise in some ways. But like, I, I always think to myself, like if I get really stymied with, a, to your point, like something in B2B, I'm like, well, who has done this right? Maybe Coke's done it right. You know, may, mm-hmm. you know maybe LinkedIn's done it right. You know, I, I, I think we we can borrow. And I, I was, I asked myself questions like there's this phenomenal small chain of restaurants in Silicon Valley. Why don't, why, why don't they go to New York? You know, like, why don't we cross Paul anymore? Why, do, why are things so local and regional? Well, part of it is we got to get outside our houses. We got to you know, travel COVID aside, right? We, we've got to get out there. We got to experience stuff. We've got to bring these experiences together. So that leads to one of the next points I'll jump ahead is that moments of, of quiet and silence, because mm-hmm. once you've got the input, you got to process it. You got to process it. And this is the hardest thing for me. I work long days. I have kids. I have a busy household. You have to have those moments of quiet so you can process that and come up with that. And it's amazing. I'll go for a 15 minute hike up the hill behind my house, steep hill. And all of a sudden, halfway up the hike, I just I take out my phone or I have this little pad, uh, notepad called field notes. I jot down something real quick. because I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about this for eight days. And it just like in 15 <laughs> seconds, bam, that's it. That's it. It hit me. And I got to document that, you know, and, and, and even t- take action and send it to a team member while I'm on the hike. But if I didn't do that hike, if I didn't carve out that moment to process, mm-hmm. that would not have happened, right? That would not have happened. So it's one of the hardest things. And that leads me back to point three is scheduling. I never, I'm a little bit rebellious with schedule. I I hate being overscheduled. I actually hate it. And on the weekends, I tell my family, don't schedule me. Do not schedule me because I'm so scheduled during the day. But I think if you schedule everything, 
it's actually a good thing. I've come to that point in my career where I schedule out calls. I schedule out working times. I schedule out time when I write because I know I write better maybe late in the evening. So I'll schedule that. I schedule time to walk the dog. I schedule time with the kids. And it sounds crazy. And it's it probably looks clinical and terrible from the outside. But what it does is it allows me the freedom to know, oh, during this 30-minute block, I can fully be focused in the moment on X, Y, Z. So actually within the boundaries and the structure, there's bursts of freedom mentally to really dig in. And if I set the expectation with myself, this is my creative time of day, that this is my, you know, my uh, intelligence gathering time of day, this is the time of day with kids, like, at least I can be in the moment and really focus on on that at that time. So this is not this is pretty standard stuff, but it's just I finally gotten to the point where I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. And the thing is, we hear this a lot um, for CEOs and, and business owners and uh, the C-suite and on these leadership podcasts, but marketers need to take this into their life too. Like you can schedule things. And you, like you said, scheduling everything doesn't mean that you're packed from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. It just simply means you have allotted times for each of these things. So nothing is falling through the cracks that are important to you, right? Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I am trying to empower my team, my directs, and even junior staff to do that more and more. I'm not telling them what to do, but I'm trying to give them the tools so that they can they can be effective and successful. And then to be honest with you, there are times when you just need to break. And so for mm -hmm. example, um, you know, there was a recent uh, post that the CEO of Okta, you know, hyper growth company in Silicon Valley in the identity space, the CEO sent out a note to every employee said, I want to know your vacation plans. Email me your vacation plans. Well, at Symphony, we'd use our own chat platform instead of email to do that. But I'm not asking my team to actually do that, but I am kind of pushing them. I'm like, look, we've just been through a tremendous period of growth. We've been through COVID. We've been through so many changes. I need to know that you're taking care of yourself. I want you to actually take a week vacation. You tell me when you're going to do it. I'll support it. I'll cover, you know, mm -hmm. I'll backstop you. But like the, you know, as a leader too, you also need to enable the team to take care of themselves, right? That, that self-care, it sounds, you know, very California, it sounds very hippie, but at the same time, I'm a big believer in that. You've got to have the mental health. You've got to separate stuff out and you have to recharge. You absolutely mm -hmm. have to recharge. And for the first half of my career, I didn't do that. I didn't enable my team members to do that because it was just go, 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 go. And then I realized there's diminishing returns. You've got to recharge. So I'm, I'm now a very big advocate for that and I'll fight for that. So you said in the first half of your career, that wasn't something that you pushed for. What has been the, the fruit of that now? What have you seen? Um, I think that we are all asked as marketers to be creative under pressure all the time. And that drains you and you've got to refill that. You've got to recharge that vessel. So I, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a critical piece of it. And I found that when you really push without letting up, again, there's, there's just a diminishment on that ability to be creative under pressure. And it's not even burnout. It's just, you're just empty. You're dry. The team's dry. And it's like, you know, you're asking for creative problem solving and they just can't quite do it. And they're talented individuals and they've got good instincts. They just, they need to recharge. So mm -hmm. I believe in it. So we kind of like jumped between some points here, which is fine. Um, so we're going to jump back to point two. We haven't touched on this, but sure. when it comes to staying focused, staying mission driven and just getting things done. Um, one of your points is you need to have a tightly knit 
mentor circle? Um, people you can go to, who is that for you? Is that people in your organization outside? What does that look like? It's, I think it's all of the above. I think it's healthy to have a spectrum. I think it's healthy to have a very diverse group. I think it's healthy to have people that are younger than you, that are older than you, that are in your industry, that are out of your industry, that are in marketing, that are outside marketing. And I'm not saying it has to be, you know, a vast network because it's usually we can only handle, you know, a few close connections like that and manage through them. But it's, I think that as I've mentored more over the years, I get just as much, if not more value from mentoring, right? The mentee gets some, some value, of course, as well. That's an important piece of it. But then when you allow people to mentor, it's like, it's like a gift to them too, because they're, they're getting something from that. So it's, it's, it's bi-directional and there's different purposes of mentoring, right? So I think you need to be clear, like sometimes you're mentoring someone junior that really wants to rise up through the ranks and be ambitious, ambitious from a career perspective. That's one type of mentoring. Other times you might be mentoring an entrepreneur that has nothing to do with your industry or sector. They just like, they don't even understand the first part of marketing. And so you can just get them the foundational knowledge of marketing that puts them above their, their, their competitors, entrepreneur. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's others that just have very significant um, headwinds in their personal lives that haven't allowed them and given them the opportunity to get ahead. And so sometimes you're just reaching out and trying to get them ahead. Um, you know, one, one example from a long time ago is um, I was part of a program that taught reading and a lot of kids get through school without really mastering reading. Right. And it's less and less of a requirement. And so we were no, normally dealing with like high schoolers that had kind of come through high school and couldn't quite read and were trying to make it in college and were struggling. But in the middle of this program, kind of in walked this like 50 year old guy, which took a lot of courage. And this guy was awesome. Like he, he was a full on like Harley Davidson riding leather coat chaps wearing guy who just did not fit the mold of who you'd expect to see in that particular program. But he walked in, he was very humble. And he said, look, um, my dad's got an illness and I've got to medicate him every day and I can't read what's on the medicine bottle. We're like, whoa, whoa. So he's like, can you please help me read quickly? So we did. And then we developed a friendship from that. And it was very, very much beneficial on all sides of it. That was a specific type of mentoring relationship that actually impacted someone's life and health, maybe more than one. So that's just an example. I'm saying, you know, have a cross section. There's no perfect answer to it. But the, the other thing I'd say is the more diverse you have your circle, the more you can, again, get creative ideas that might break through, uh, that might break through, you know, you know blocks for you. Um, and then what's interesting, I'm speaking, you know, a lot of people know this, but as you're asking those you mentor questions, all of a sudden in your own mind, you're like, oh, I forgot about that. That applies to me. Maybe I should take that back to work tomorrow. Right. So that's interesting, too. So there's many different ways to do it. I do also believe in what I call kind of micro advisory groups. And I don't mean people sitting around once a quarter on a product advisory council. I mean, people mm -hmm. that I can literally just sling a question to get a five minute, an answer in five minutes or less. And a lot of times I would say in my current position, a lot of those people are revenue focused, sales, customer facing, because they mm -hmm. really know the ground truth. And I'll just say, Hey, we're about to send this email campaign out. Is this subject line right? Or is it going to, and, and like one point, what happened, uh, I think about a month ago is we had a really crisp, yeah, a little edgy, 
uh, copy for an email subject line that we're going to send out. And, um, you know, one of the New York based sales folks was like, I love it. This is going to resonate. This is gonna be perfect. Right. I sent that same email to one of our, our heads of sales in London. And she was like, no, that is not going <laughs> to resonate at all. You got to soften. Hmm. This is, that sounds very U S this sounds very New York. You're actually going to make people upset with this one. Right. Hmm. So that was instant. I got that within five minutes. So we then split it out and did two different ver variants on it and we segmented and it, it both, both performed really well, but I needed that immediate feedback because mm -hmm. we thought we had good intelligence. We had a good hypothesis. We got to test it. You got to bulletproof it. And it's, and if I had had some sort of traditional process that could have taken me a day or two to get that feedback, I needed something yeah. right then and there. So I've cultivated that trust, that relationship, that communication, that collaboration. So I can get that feedback in real time, not always possible, mm -hmm. but when you get it, wow can make a big difference. That's really cool. Um, you know, I hadn't thought about like the micro feedback that you can get outside your organization. I guess we touched on it a little bit earlier, but just having mentors and people in the space that are sounding boards for you that you can shoot stuff off, get it back quickly. Um, so when, when you say that, do you have what, five, 10, or is it two to three? What does that look like for you? Um, so I say inside the company, I probably have three or four go-tos right now. For me, mm -hmm. my team out have others. It kind of radiates out from there and at different levels, right? I think it's important too. Um, but I would say just personally, you know, I probably have, right now I'm active with three relationships where I'm the mentor and providing okay. guidance right now. That's about what I can handle. Some can do more, mm -hmm. some can do fewer than that. Um, and then I would say from my own mentor group above me that's mentoring me, I would say I have probably two or three go-tos mm -hmm. with a few extras kind of outside the perimeter that I go to from time to time, but maybe, you know, two, two to three that are regular interactions, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes I have short burst relationships, right? So I had a colleague that I had, hadn't worked with for years call me out of the blue and said, I need some help. I need mm -hmm. some help right now. And how can you help me? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I actually dropped some things and spent like a 48 hour period of time, um, not night and day, but just significant amount of time helping that individual get through a significant challenge that they had, right? So you can also do these burst kind of mentor things that that are that are kind of, um, you do them and then they're over, right? That's another mm -hmm. opportunity to look forward to. It doesn't need to be like a multi-year, you know, check-in every month relationship. There, there can be other mm -hmm. things too. You know, you bring up a point about not only should you have mentors around you that are pouring into you, but you should be giving back as well. And, you know, I wouldn't, would have never thought about that coming into this conversation about, Hey, have a couple people that you bring under your wing, whether they're, they just are brand new to marketing and they're in the, the B2C world and they run a business an entrepreneur. Right. And it, it brought to mind something that I heard a while ago. Um, I'll probably never forget it, but if you inhale oxygen, and you take a breath, and then you take another breath, you take another one, you can only inhale so much. But you have to let it out at some point, right? And that's the same example that you have, like, hey, it's okay to give back, and you should. And in that you're going to give yourself more creativity, you're going to feel more fulfilled, um, and ultimately, continue to learn as a marketer. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And it can happen at any level. I think a lot of times the perception is, well, it's an executive mentoring program, or you have to get to a certain level of your career before you get that. I do not believe that I've never experienced that. And it goes always. It's not about age, right? I basically had people mentor me that were much younger than me. And likewise, I mentored people 
know, that were older, that had wisdom, but they needed a fresh perspective. And like, they were like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Right. That's a healthy interaction. And I've had this happening from very early in my career, both ways. So again, don't think about it in terms of a certain level of Mm -hmm. seniority or a certain level of your career. This is appropriate across the board. I've got teenagers that are very entrepreneurial and I'm teaching them right now. They've got to bake that into their foundational principles um, as they're, as they're developing their entrepreneurial, you know, instincts. I said, you, that's, that you, that you will be successful that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Something to keep in mind. If you're, if you're feeling discouraged, like how can I actually provide value to someone? And this goes in, this is a whole nother conversation for even content, like content creation is if you think about where you are in life as a ladder, there's an infinite amount of rows above and below you. And you're on one of those rungs, right? And your knowledge is where you are on the rung. And there's always someone below you. So you always have someone that you can teach, right? No matter how high you think you are on the ladder of knowledge, there's always someone one rung below you. And maybe they'll pass you, maybe they won't, right? And you'll continue to climb, but you're also, you'll always have something for someone below you. Um, Not saying that that makes them any less, but you, you have learnings from life. You have um, things that you have gathered and that you can give to other people that aren't, just aren't there yet. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I like the analogy, although I do get vertigo when I, I'm up high, so I probably wouldn't <laughs> too high on that ladder. But yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. And, and then the other thing that's interesting is um, kind of what I call the, the bolt of lightning from time to time. Like sometimes you just need a completely different perspective. So in the arsenal, you should have folks that you can just go to, not frequently, but every once in a while, that where you just need a jolt of reality or something, right? So it might be like my grandma Lou in the Midwest. And I, do, I did have a grandma Lou in the Midwest who lived in Lincoln, Nebraska her whole life <laughs> and was very matter of fact and a hard working individual, raised you know, three, three kids, worked like just you know, tough as nails. But she was, always, she was just like no BS, like just absolute would tell you as it is in the plainest possible language, right? It's just an example. I'm saying like sometimes you actually do need that complete out of bounds individual on your side just to give you that dose of of whatever you need at that moment. That that's that's healthy too. And it might not be what you want to hear, uh, <laughs> but it also might really be really be crystal clear truth as well. And um, yeah, I mean, again, mixed, you know. Every type of background is valid, and the the wider the net, the more diverse that healthy diversity of intellectual contribution is important. I can't I can't stress that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we're we're we've been doing for a little while on the podcast now is trying to mix it up, keep it fresh, and uh, keep people on their toes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand the mic to you make you the podcast host. I'm not sure if you've ever hosted a podcast before. And if you have any questions that you want to shoot my way that you're interested about, um, let's take a couple minutes and do that. Okay. Awesome. I love it. I love asking questions. All right. First one. All right. When you don't know where you can find motivation, how do you dig deep and find that motivation? Hmm. I think for me, it is listen to motivating people. Um, and it's so cliche to think about, but there have been times when I'm like, man, I mean, I own a small business, right? So it's like, what are we going to do to continue to generate revenue? And maybe we're just not cut out for this. And, um, I don't listen to him super often, but I will go pop in Gary V for example, 
super motivating guy. I couldn't listen to him 24 seven. I really couldn't, but just having someone motivating in your ear for 15, 20 minutes, like, Oh man. Okay. That does help and dig deep to get that motivation rolling. Um, and I don't know if that's like the best way to do it. There probably are other ways, but, um, that has always been something helpful to me is there are motivating people out there for a reason and you don't have to listen to them 24 seven, but sometimes you just need that extra boost. All right. Next question. How many do I get? How many questions do I get? However many you want. <laughs> all, right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. In the recent history, recent months, who has just done something from a B2B marketing perspective where you're like, oh, I wish I'd done it. Who are you jealous of right now? Who, who's just nailing it? Like, can you give me an example of something that you're just like, oh my gosh, I wish I had thought of that. I wish that was me. It would have to be... So Refine Labs, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, they do a really good job with their community that they've built. Um, so what they do is they host uh, a Zoom call every, I think it's every Tuesday night, and it's Demand Gen Live. And they have a bunch of B2B marketers on there that are consuming content. Um, Chris is obviously a very smart uh, subject matter expert, so he can provide a lot of value. And I I would love to do something like that. I mean, obviously, we're creating the podcast for uh, B2B marketers. Um, it would be cool to have that community. I just feel like I'd be knocking him off. So I'm, I had the wheels turning on like what to do. Uh, that's not a complete copy, but I'm just like, dang, how did I not think of that? And then on top of that, um, I think really anything Gong is doing, I, I nothing comes to mind like that they've done, but it's just every time I see their brand, I'm like, that's genius. Or for example, they did the Super Bowl commercial. Not that we would ever really do that, but it, just the thought process. Like I listened to a podcast where Udi went into why they did that and how. And I'm like, wow, that's so creative, just the mind uh, behind that. And uh, that was something I was a little jealous of, like, dang, that would have been cool to do. Not that that's we're really in a place to even come close to doing that, but it's it's creative. It's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, okay. You have 60 seconds as you're walking between press meetings with the CEO of a company and you need to get them on your side from a marketing perspective, if you had 60 seconds or less or fewer, what would you say to a CEO? What do you want a, a CEO to know about marketing in 60 seconds? Um, so is this like a CEO I'm trying to like convince that marketing is good? Sure. Yeah, sure. okay. Well, get him on um, your side, get him on your side. Make, make him a marketing advocate. Yeah, so I would say, um, do you want short-term results where you're getting, you're constantly having to work for the leads that you're getting now? Or do you want to build something bigger where it starts to create demand? And yes, it's going to take some time. Yes, it's going to make some work. But where people start to come to us and notice us and recognize us and have an affinity toward us, that's what I consider marketing to be. Gotcha. Cool. All right. One more question. That's it. Go uh, for it. What do, you do for, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Oh, there's a bunch of things. So right now I'm in a church softball league. Um, this will, it'll be a little bit before this comes out, but we have the semifinals tonight and then the finals tomorrow. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, big MLB baseball fan, uh, big NFL fan, um, like going to sporting events. Uh, I have a garden out back that I like to garden. So that's just a little look into my life of, of what I like to do. And then I have an eight month old little girl and my wife and I can't stop spending time with her because it's so fun. So that's what I like to do. <laughs> All the right stuff. I'm not sure that was the right order. I'll let you re-report that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll put the wife and the kid in the front of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks for sharing. I, I, that's what I've got.
Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. Um, give us your 60 second or 30 second rundown on what Symphony does, because we want to hear sure. uh, to close us out like your elevator pitch of what you sure. guys have going on. Yep. So, so Symphony spent the past six years building the largest connected collaborative ecosystem of financial services professionals together in a secure, trusted environment. It's a collaboration platform. But like I like to quote our CEO, Brad Levy, it's all about the people on the platform, but with purpose. And what we're trying to do is streamline all those grungy workflows within financial services where they're still using spreadsheets, fax machines, picking up the phone. Now there's anything wrong with any of those things, but we feel like there's a new way of doing business in financial services. And Symphony is really focused on, on that. And we built that platform for the last six years. And now we're just going very deep and we'd love, you know, eight or nine million financial services users all over the world to connect, collaborate in a trusted environment and basically give them back time of the day so they can spend the time with their kids gardening, going to games, hiking, uh, so they don't have to spend all day faxing stuff and putting it in spreadsheets. That's what we want to do. I like it. Awesome, man. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for hopping on a podcast episode here with us. Um, you brought a ton of value, something different that we haven't had on the podcast before. So I'm excited for this to go out. And uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Hey, it was awesome. Awesome.